Hello, wrestling fans around the world. This is today's edition of Free Admission for Real, recapping the big events coming out of WrestleMania weekend. I am your host, J.P. Nichols. Ben Turpin will not be with us today, unfortunately, because he is very ill following such a monumental weekend. But I do have here someone else who attended the big festivities in Atlanta, Jacob Cohen. Jacob, how are you doing today? I'm doing okay, and hopefully I'm a suitable replacement for Ben. Oh, certainly. I I believe that you will be. But needless to say, a week has passed, and I am still feeling the effects from Atlanta. Obviously, Ben is doing the same as well. And then, obviously, uh, it was a fantastic weekend, to say the least. That was probably one of the more event-filled weekends that I could say that I've attended for a wrestling show. Well, for me personally, I think it was eight and six days was the most wrestling shows I had ever been to. And this was seven in five days or six. Uh, it was, this was, there were a lot of wrestling shows this weekend that we went to. Oh yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, um, yeah, I want to say that actually, yeah, the, uh, our little stretch that we had, uh, in Phoenix last year from, uh, the wonderful pay-per-view known as destination X 2010 through, uh, WrestleMania may have been the record. Uh, this this would may have this crushed it. <laughs> well, that that little stretch actually had what was it one day off or two days off in between? Uh, two. I don't recall if there was a Wednesday impact. Yeah, I want to say needless to say it was long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, without a doubt. But um, both you and I had the opportunity on Thursday. I mean, we both arrived on Thursday, and I was very tired throughout the day. I mean, we got to do a bunch of pretty cool things uh, the first day. I mean, we got to attend uh, the original Chick-fil-A as well as that Duel of the Butchers Rib House, which both, uh, well, not necessarily incredibly impressive, I thought were very fun novelty things to do in Atlanta. Well, in terms of seeing the actual locations and the buildings and exactly what was going on inside was the interest. I mean, the Chick-fil-A, food-wise, same as every other Chick-fil-A. And Abdul the Butcher's House of Ribs and Chinese food. My Chinese food wasn't bad, but it was food court Chinese food. It wasn't exactly, you know, this high-end Chinese food. And uh, I know uh, your dad said that the ribs were whatever. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then uh, even uh, then, I also uh, had the opportunity to even attend the Georgia Aquarium, which uh, I am sad that you were not able to attend, unfortunately, just because that place I thought was absolutely incredible. I mean, just based off the uh, the gigantic whale shark tank, which, I mean, was just mind-blowing to me on top of the Coca-Cola factory as well, which I thought was very neat. But unfortunately, the way that the wrestling shows started off that weekend, started off with a show that we all attended, both Jacob, myself, Ben, Zane, and my father, and Platinum Championship Wrestling. This was god-awful garbage. And, you know, I don't really like to shit on random companies. I've never been. I've, uh, you know how many small indies I've been here? I've been in, in uh, the province of Ontario. I've been in the state of New York. Just small indies just because I've been around a little bit. But, oh, my goodness, this was crap. This was backyard wrestling inside the upstairs of a bar that was uh, playing music with too much bass below us, and we were shaking the whole show. I legitimately also, this venue, like, 
when I attended the restroom, I honestly felt like I needed to see the doctor immediately after I walked out of it. Well, yeah, it was the restroom slash locker room. <laughs> you walk in there and then you just see people planning their spots and whatnot. It was certainly quite a sight, I mean, to say the least. And the the matches on the show, I largely, I mean, mostly blend together. I do remember that in the second match of the show, we got to see a pile driver on the apron, which is more or less unheard of for a wrestling show in terms of the way that it's structured. Well, I'm pretty sure that was like two minutes into the match as well. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, and uh, obviously the highlight amongst uh, uh, the five of us was the great match known as Vandal versus Phantom, who, <laughs> whenever PCW decides to take the idea of the time to upload this match to their Facebook page, I highly encourage anyone listening to go out of their way to watch this because it is unlike anything you will ever see in the professional wrestling business. Yeah, this was like a 30-minute match pushing eight hours. It was dreadful. It, I And it, it it had botched spots. It had crazy, crazy. Like, you know, these are probably all pretty untrained individuals. And if they are trained, then maybe they're very, very new to wrestling. But this was just awful. It went on forever. This was their seventh match in a best of seven. I couldn't imagine how you can work with someone six other times and the match ends up this bad. And the Phantom Invitational, as the video said. We were dealing with very high quality at Platinum Championship Wrestling. <laughs> I mean, and then we also got an amazing uh, first blood match with two random women who I will likely never see again. And that turned into a two out of three falls first blood match, essentially. Uh, you know Vince Russo was taking notes. Oh, certainly. I mean, uh, actually, notably, uh, Jim Cornette and Kerry Silken were actually present for this show. And they notably vanished after that previously mentioned Vandal and Phantom match, which was just... Can you blame them? The show was went on forever. I think it went on three and a half hours and felt like we were there all day. Yeah. I mean, uh, at least we got to see Vordell Walker, though. Yeah, that match, actually, that the main event was uh, pretty good. I actually can't complain about the main event, but pretty much everything that came before it was not great. And it was a real shame, because we were actually supposed to go to a different show that night, but it got canceled, what, a couple of days before we got to Atlanta. Oh, yes, but... Brian Cage, who instead we get to see sitting in attendance at Dragon Gate and actually by us at WrestleMania. Yes. He uh, got around as a fan. <laughs> I mean, it's needless to say, this, uh, I mean, uh, leaving this show, I actually felt like I, I mean, it was a free show. And I, I mean, although I had to pay money for being. 20 as opposed to 21 and I still felt robbed but for what little it was and I do have to say that some of the worst stuff I've seen at impact tapings and even TNA pay-per-views I still would probably consider higher than what was this platinum championship wrestling show no without question because even stupid booking these people are all still for the most part professionals I mean We've seen some terrible knockout matches. 
and uh, Jenna Maraska, Sharmella side. I don't think there has ever been a women's match as bad as Vandal and Phantom. And even Jenna Maraska, Sharmel, it still might be better. Yeah. It was like, what, three minutes, four minutes? It's, and then it was done. This was an eternity. Yes. I mean, <laughs> well, uh, while Bruno San Martino was going on putting on gigantic clinics, Vandal versus Phantom was there. Yeah, absolutely. Not exactly uh, the best way to start off uh, the weekend, but at the same time, our standards couldn't have been any lower. Oh, yeah, it, it somehow made the bar uh, below elevation. But needless to say, starting Friday, the wrestling quality improved substantially with what was the start of, in my opinion, probably Ring of Honor's best weekend of shows in terms of quality overall since Gabe left. And even even better than some of the shows that Gabe had at the tail end of his run. And Honor takes center stage day one and two. And that on day one, we had such uh, great matches as uh, Eddie Edwards defending the Ring of Honor heavyweight title against Christopher Daniels. World's Greatest Tag Team finally winning the Ring of Honor Tag Team titles from the Kings of Wrestling. Davey Richards versus Roderick Strong. It was just an overall fantastic show. I mean, Jacob, what did you think of the show top to bottom? Well, first of all, I, I actually wanted to mention, it was at center stage. How cool was that? That's where WCW taped. That was, it's, it's a real crap hole. Like, for people who think, oh, the ECW arena is terrible or the impact zone small, this was like a 40, 50-year-old building. It had stadium seating, but the production is set up to be behind the, the ring, behind the camera. So it was, it was unique, but it was just cool. It had a cool vibe, even though it was an old, crappier building. Um, Match-wise, it was just it was a great show. There was a lot of good stuff on that show, and there was nothing I would even consider bad. I mean, Briscoes versus Kyle, uh, Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole, we didn't mention either. That was a really good match. Yeah, that was certainly the uh, start of the uh, really good match territory on this show. I mean, I have yet to see the show uh, on tape, but everything that I've heard as far as center stage of the venue goes, I heard that it looked very good. The audio quality was really good, which is something that Go Fight Live has been critiqued over in the past, which they seem to be getting much, much more on track with. But this show I was generally pleased with, especially in comparison to the types of shows that Ring of Honor put on in Phoenix last year, which needless to say were looked at more as filler than anything else. And these shows actually had a legitimate big feel to them. I mean, coming out of this show, I felt that, I mean, you got, like I mentioned before, four very great matches and nothing bad on the show, as Jacob had mentioned. But the main highlight of the show to me, more than anything personally, I would have to say, was, I mean, I've been going back and forth as to what match I actually liked more. I mean, between Davey Richards, Roderick Strong, which I preferred to their final battle 2010 match. But I really found myself enjoying, in hindsight, uh, the Edwards and Daniels match, which I know you were a very big fan of. Oh, yeah, the night of. I was just jumping up and down. I thought that was a great match live. I Again, like you, I haven't seen any of the shows we attended on a tape after the fact. I've only seen the live perspective. 
but live, I really did. I thought that match was awesome. But the last three matches were all probably in my top 10 matches of the entire weekend. So what does that say when you went to seven shows and three of the matches from one show is in your top 10 right there? Certainly. And then even um, looking back on the days of all prior to the show, we got to attend a very great restaurant known as Vortex Burger. Yeah, Vortex was an interesting one, especially not everyone decided to get wild, but I know I personally got the Elvis Burger which was a burger topped with peanut butter, fried bananas, and bacon with a side of tater tots. And it was actually a really good combination for a burger. It's something I would attempt to recreate myself at the very least. Yes, certainly. I mean, and um, I, I mean, I did not personally get as wild as that did, but this place was just a very, had a very great feel to it, I thought, you know, which is, it's just somewhere where I've, very much like to go just to hang out and have just a very ridiculous time or very ridiculous burger like you did. But You know what it reminded me a lot of? Do you that? remember Kuma's Corner in Chicago? Yes. Which yeah, I, I, Kuma's Corner is actually, it's another restaurant of this cut of the same ilk. It's just weird burgers. And it's there's a lot of these popping up right now, and I just love the trend because I like to try the weird stuff on the burgers. That's just me personally. I'll take the burger with the different meat, the burger with the weird toppings on it, but I just I really like the trend. There's a few in Miami here, which I'm enjoying, and apparently a bunch popped up in Toronto, and I've been told I have to try when I go up there in a few weeks. But, uh, yeah, it's a good trend, and the Vortex was definitely an enjoyable one. So out of all the restaurants we went to in Atlanta, I'd probably say, you know what, go to the Vortex. Certainly. And then to start off our Saturday, this Ring of Honor show on Friday got out at about 11 to 11.30 p.m. And then after everyone drove back, uh, a lot of us decided to attend the Ring of Honor Fan Fest that they had going on from 10 to 11.30 at center stage where fans had the opportunity to meet and like get autographs and pictures with many members of the Ring of Honor roster. And that's how we had to get up at about 8 a.m. in order to attend this. And I honestly felt like this may have been the actual bust of the weekend in terms of something that I was sort of anticipating and then it just didn't necessarily deliver. Well, I, I, we got what I figured we would get, uh, guys charging for pictures, guys charging for all that stuff. I think that's pretty standard nowadays. I'm not sure if that's been standard in the past, but in the last year, I went to Wrestle Reunion, I went to Lord of the Rings last May, and a lot of these things, it's you, you pay up front, and then you keep paying, and it's cool, you get to meet everyone, it's fun, but they had everyone placed in that little small corridor, so it was really tight, especially if you wanted to get to guys like the world's greatest tag team or the Kings of Wrestling or Eddie Edwards had a huge line. These guys, there were just people crammed trying to meet them and you had to fight your way through to spend 20 bucks. Not that there's anything wrong with these guys making a little bit of extra money, but I think it might have been better served in a different location. Certainly. I mean, because um, I had the opportunity to attend the Fan Fest that they had going on in Orlando at the Orlando Highlight Building back at Mania Weekend in 2008, and they had it laid out quite a bit better. 
just with everyone having their own individual table in a much more open area. And actually, for that one, they did not charge money for pictures. So I suppose I was just a little caught off guard by the fact that they were doing so for this one. I felt that perhaps, I mean, while other conventions have done things like this, like you mentioned, I felt that it would have been better suited to be advertised as such. But with that said, I mean, at the very least, autographs were free. So I personally, myself, just bought a program and just went up and met most of the wrestlers and just had them autograph that. Uh, and I only myself bought two pictures, I mean, which I was perfectly okay with. And hey, at least we got to see Bushwhacker Luke have a match. <laughs> yes, absolutely. It was Bushwhacker Luke and Grizzly Redwood against Alabama Attitude of Mike Posey and whatever his tag team partner's name was. Dropkick Mike Posey, one of the... <laughs> I was like the only person there that was popping for him. <laughs> We had great seats. We had the Ring of Honor stage seating. And I want to point this out. Those seats came out after the fact. There was going to be no seating on the stage when the tickets initially went on sale. Mm-hmm. That Those front row stage seats were easily the best seats in all of center stage. Certainly. And it's not like in that building, there's, it's not like there's a bad seat in the house, but these seats were just top-notch. I mean... It it honestly made me feel like I wanted to dive in the ring from how close we were. Well, it's the only other time I've ever sat with that type of proximity to anything is um, I went to a WEC show. Actually, it was the show where uh, Jose Aldo Jr. won the uh, WEC featherweight title. And that was in the Pearl at the Palms in Las Vegas. And they have stage seating and the octagon right next to the stage. And the octagon is, I guess, sort of like the ring in that it's on a platform as opposed to being a platform. So you were eye-line. And I really like the concept of being eye-line when you're in this type of venue. And I think it's something that a lot of these companies should attempt to do. Certainly. And then the actual show happened with uh, Ring of Honor Take Center Stage Day 2. Initially, coming out of this show, I felt like it was a better show than day one, but considering I've yet to watch both shows on tape, I'm sort of kind of questionable on it, but needless to say, this was another fantastic show from Ring of Honor, just further approving the point of how fantastic of a weekend this was overall for them top to bottom. I mean, Jacob, what are you bringing your thoughts on this show? Oh, you had a lot of good matches on this show, too. I think with the with the four major indie shows this weekend, everyone might have their preferences, but I think it's pretty much splitting hairs because they all had a lot of really good matches. Oh, certainly. There were very few bombs. Um, with that particular show, you had the Kings of Wrestling versus uh, Colin O'Reilly. That was a lot of fun, and I thought that went longer. It went, what did it go like? 10 minutes or something or less. Uh, yeah, thereabouts. Yeah. Um, one match that I was really excited for, actually, that did not pan out the way I was hoping. I still enjoyed it to an extent, but it did not pan out exactly as I hoped, was Colt Cabana versus Dave Taylor. I mean, I like Colt, and Dave Taylor is... He's a man amongst men in terms of wrestling. It's this guy had so many good matches in WCW against whoever they threw at him. And he's just got that awesome, unique English style that you don't see so much here. 
And I thought that type of match, it started off, it started off, Dave was getting his offense on Colt, he was getting his offense on Colt, and all of a sudden Colt won with a pin. I thought it was like half the match. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I, I certainly expected a lot more from that match. And after a point that Mark had made uh, back on our Mania Preview podcast about how this match likely would have benefited more if it's not for the embassy involvement. I sort of feel that way uh, still in hindsight in terms of just providing a big dream match of sorts for the Ring of Honor fans as opposed to making it a bit more storyline influenced. I was just not so much even disappointed with that. I and I don't even think they got shortchanged. Maybe they didn't pace it right. Maybe whatever. I still, and that's not to say, I don't want to sound like I didn't enjoy it, except I expected more, and I got a decent little match. I think that's fair to say. Certainly. And then uh, I do feel that coming out of that show, that uh, probably my biggest gripe with it more than anything else is just actually on that uh, Kings of Wrestling versus Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly match where I felt that going into the show, I completely felt that Kyle and Cole were going to get the W, but unfortunately they did not. And I just felt like that would have been something that could have really, really helped them quite a bit. But instead, I mean, we just got the Kings of Wrestling winning. And it's not something that I'm going to throw a fit over because it's, uh, it's really not that upsetting to me, but it's something that I felt would have helped put these shows even more over the top by allowing them to get their big W finally over the tag team that held the tag titles for a year. But, you know, it is what it is, I suppose. Well, I think with them, they're letting they're letting Cole and O'Reilly simmer a bit. They might wait too long to pull the trigger. That we don't know. But being a week and change later, they're doing Chris Hero versus Eddie Edwards for the title in Toronto. Now... You can't really put that match together if they lose to essentially the newbies of the last eight months in the company who've only beat the Bravados. Certainly. I mean, but at the same time, you could make the argument that since Edwards, I mean, besides, uh, excuse me, uh, Hero was the one guy besides Daniels and since uh, Edwards is uh, one survival of the fittest two pin Eddie, Hero is one of the only ones. So you do have that argument at least, but yeah, you have that argument, but if heroes, they lost the night before the world's greatest tag team, okay, you can say these guys, they're the number one contenders to the tag titles they won. You give these guys the win, and then you move on in terms of storyline. You move the Kings of Wrestling forward. If they're losing twice in a weekend, how can you reward these guys with singles title shots? I do feel that Adam Cole and Kyle, I mean, they really could have benefited from the big win, but, I mean, as you had said about Hero with uh, his Eddie Edwards title shot being announced today, I suppose it really wouldn't have made a lot of sense. I mean, uh, to announce, uh, oh, he has a single title win after coming off of two losses at uh, both pay-per-views. Yeah, Um, but as we move on on this Ring of Honor show, you actually had what was probably, if not my favorite match of the weekend, definitely in my top three matches of the weekend, was All Night Express and the Briscoes. These guys just killed each other. This was quite incredible. I mean, words cannot describe how excited I was during this match. I mean, 
Jay Briscoe, I mean, is been known for having very big bloodshed in the past from things such as his cage match with Samoa Joe to the infamous debut of the age of the fall where he was hung with blood pouring from his head on a Jimmy Jacobs. And this match, I, I really find it hard to think of a match where I've seen someone bleed as much as Jay Briscoe bled in this match. Why? No, I, I can't remember a single match. I've never seen that much blood on an individual in a wrestling match. Um, this was a match I wasn't really looking forward to going into the show. I just, I've never been that nuts behind All Night Express. I've seen them a bunch of times live. I've seen them a bunch of times on DVD. And it's just, they were a random pairing when they were paired, but they've become better and better. And working with a world-class team like the Briscoes and just, they got the brawl style ANX and it just worked awesomely. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, it especially showed just how well Rhett has, uh, how much Rhett has improved as a performer over a while. Since I really feel since about uh, the last quarter of uh, the year, he has shown a substantial amount of improvement. And I felt, in a lot of ways, he was the star of his ma- this match with his uh, big comeback trying to take out Jay Briscoe, and he and uh, Jay were just laying into each other repeatedly. Oh, it's very clear in ROH which student is the top of the class with the top of the class trophy. <laughs> um, Rhett Titus started off as some one-note joke a couple of years ago, and he's just evolved when many of the other ROH graduates haven't been able to keep up with just his high level. It's He's gone from a performer that I wasn't really nuts about. For first, he, he started off as like, okay, this guy's a joke. This guy, what's the difference between Rhett Titus and Grizzly Redwood? Different gimmick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But essentially, both one-note characters, given I enjoy both of them now. But uh, as, as time went on, though, Rhett's just got better and better to the point where now I think he's quite a competent worker. And he might have been... It's hard to not make Jay Briscoe the MVP of this match, but Rhett was awesome in this match. Oh, without a doubt. And then uh, you also had a great match between uh, the Wolves and uh, World's Greatest Tag Team to close out both Ring of Honor shows, which uh, helped promote the uh, eventual match between Eddie Edwards and Davey that they were promoting throughout this pay-per-view, which, needless to say, when it happens, will be a gigantic match. Oh, that's the Ring of Honor money match. You knew once they put the world title on Eddie Edwards that the clock was ticking until Davey Richards was going to have his match and the American Wolves were going to explode. And I'm happy they're going with a route that isn't forcing them to fight immediately. This will probably be something that we don't see until Final Battle or the 10th anniversary. It's going to be down the line. It's not going to be something we see immediately unless Eddie Edwards or Davey Richards get signed away, and then we either see it very abruptly or we never see it. Very true. I mean, although they could end up doing it at the June New York show, but it's not something that I personally feel that they should do, but it very well could happen. I wouldn't do it, just based off the fact that you really want to take the title off Eddie after, what, three months? That's the first one. And then, or do you want Davey to lose when he said the next time he loses a title match, he's out of here? Yeah, I mean, final battle is certainly the premier place to do it. Yeah, you got to hold that off a few months. If they, look, if they jump on it, 
They might have reasons. It might be a stupid move. I don't know. But I, I just, I can't imagine them jumping on it, like, especially for the June show. Eddie Edwards is going to have two to three title defenses before that show. Seem a bit premature, but yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, um, the match but... was awesome, though. The match yeah. was great. They had a great match. They went about a half hour, and it's just a lot of goodness. Mm-hmm. And just a great way to have a fantastic weekend from Ring of Honor. Uh, and then following this show, we actually had the opportunity to attend the Varsity, Varsity Burger, which is uh, one of the, lar- if not the largest drive through in the, the country, I would say. It, it was big, and apparently they have multiple locations in the Atlanta area. And to me, it rang very similar to In-N-Out Burger, but just on a monster scale. Yeah. Certainly. I mean, Pretty yeah. simple in terms of their menu items. They they didn't offer all that much. They offered maybe they could have had 10 items when In-N-Out Burgers got less, but it, it wasn't that much. But just the sheer size of this place was unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, and, uh, it's not like the food was necessarily blow away, but I thought it was a very, very uh, enjoyable place to be at the very least. Well, this is what I'll tell you. I had the two chili burger combo, which was uh, two chili burgers, an orange slush, which I thought was very good, actually. They do, uh, that's one of their specialties there. And I got fries. I tried someone else's onion rings. I like the onion rings better than the fries. The fries weren't that good. But if I had this place in Miami, this would be a secret eating stop for sure. Yeah, yeah. And then following this, we uh, made a little bit of a trek outside of Atlanta to where Dragon Gate was hosting their Saturday night iPay-Per-View. Their very first iPay-Per-View broadcasted on WWN Live, the new uh, in-house pay-per-view ran by Sal, Sal of FIP fame uh, and uh, Gabe as well. And I felt that this show turned out really just as well as the Ring of Honor shows, if not a little bit less, but with that said, a little bit less is still a really good show from Dragon Gate. There were a lot of good matches on that show. There were there was one notable exception was Eric Cannon and John Moxley was unfortunately after their great match at Jeff Peterson Cup in 2010, this match was eight minutes and was really nothing and even a bit more perplexing. It built storyline at the very least, but it was a bit perplexing to see John Moxley get a random win for no particular reason on his one ended up being on his way out of Dragon Gate. Yeah, I agreed. I mean, it would have been uh, much more fun to see them have the type of match that they uh, put on at FIP, especially considering that that match may never see the light of day, for all yeah. we know. Which is sad. Yeah. But uh, needless to say, this show had uh, three uh, very good matches on top, and Hawk Tozawa, um Aries and Yamato, and the Ronin versus Blood Warriors tag, which I all felt were really good. In hindsight, I sort of, I mean, initially I, I felt that uh, Pac and Tozawa was my favorite match on the show, but as time has passed, I felt that Aries and Yamato may have honestly surpassed it. And- Aries and Yamato was, it was very well done storytelling. And it led to a great swerve the next night that would have been stupid if we would have seen it coming. 
But you got to give Dragon Gate credit. They tricked a whole audience of internet fans, yeah. of smart fans, into believing that Austin Aries was retiring, and then that's what brought a whole level of excitement to the Yamato Austin Aries match, which was definitely quite over with the crowd. It was a great. I I think that was probably the best match on that show, even though Pac and Tozawa was something to go out of your way and see. And you know what? Even the Dragon Gate uh, six-way between Blood Warriors and Ronin, the the top three matches on this show were well worth checking out. Certainly. I mean, um, and, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, the areas were caught up. A lot of people, including myself, off guard, just because of the fact that the way that areas has talked in interviews and online and whatnot. But that brings us to the Sunday Dragon Gate show, which uh, had the Aries swerve that we already talked about as well as a couple other very notable matches. Although I feel between the four independent shows, I feel that this one may have been the weakest of the four. But needless to say, this was still a very good show worth going out of your way to see for two particular matches, in my opinion. And uh, uh, Pac and Masato Yoshino versus Sima and Naruki Doi, who actually replaced Ricochet following his injury in the six-man tag the night before. And actually, uh, Yamato and Akira Tozawa for the Open the Freedom Gate title, which happened after Tozawa had beaten Moxley to earn the title shot. Both those matches, I thought, were very, very well done. Yeah, both those matches were great Were great stuff. Akira Tozawa, for a guy who wasn't as high profile that weekend as uh, many probably would have liked, ended up getting a world title shot. He ended up losing, and he lost his Brave Gate title shot, but he might have been the MVP of Dragon Gate that weekend. Mind yeah. you, you could also say Yamato, because Yamato also had two awesome matches. Mm-hmm. Mind mm-hmm. you, you could also say the Blood Warriors, and you can also say Pac. It's, there was a lot of good wrestling from Dragon Gate, and to me, I'm, I'm going to say that Akira Tozawa and Yamato was my favorite match from... Dragon Gate on the Sunday show. I I mean, I remember really liking that match. I think it just may have been uh, with me just uh, the feeling of wear and tear from just how much was going on that weekend that I really am just going to have to rewatch that match once this show airs on pay-per-view. But, I mean, I can certainly put over both that match as well as the Pac and uh, Yoshino match. Another thing that was very noteworthy coming out of these shows, in my eyes, was just how good Jimmy Rave looked. Probably the best uh, since his 2006 heel run that he had in Ring of Honor, which I felt was like the highlight of his career up to this point. And I'm hoping that Dragon Gate decides to bring him back. It's possible. Um, There are other individuals who have had good looks in Dragon Gate, but didn't make the main roster. And there are others who surprised us by making the main rosters in a pleasant way, like Eric Cannon. So you never know with Dragon Gate, which is a nice part about the uh, company is they do keep their eyes open to an extent for talent, for fresh talent, fresh American talent. And then uh, it just, uh, I also feel that it just goes to show you just how good uh, someone can come out um, of a Dragon Gate tour with how good Johnny Gargano looked this weekend. Um, 
because uh, I really feel that uh, touring with Dragon Gate really helped him a lot. It was it was very clear that I wasn't a, a huge fan of him. I mean, I liked him, but I felt like others could have fit his role. But he really tore it up in the six-man tag, as did uh, Rick Swan as well. I mean, both those guys I felt looked really good, and it just goes to show you again, uh, like how guys like uh, Evan Bourne and uh, many others who tore with Dragon Gate come back and improve Pac as well. Yeah, absolutely. And at this point, we're at five shows. One, I don't even count the show, and the other four were all very, very good. Yeah, and. Following this show, we uh, had a brief stop for food from a very uh, interesting thing, a Wendy's and Arby's combo. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even realize they were owned by the same company. I'm usually uh, knowledgeable of that stuff. Yeah, and uh, and we uh, made it over to WrestleMania to, uh, as uh, a couple people felt uh, would be the case, stand in line for two hours to get into WrestleMania. I mean, in all reality, we actually stood in line for 10 minutes. 10 minutes? We walked yeah. there and we walked right in. We walked in in five seconds. There was no line when we got there. We were in there about an hour and 20 yeah. minutes before the show started. Yeah. And we we got there, we're, oh, you know, uh, the last few years, it's sometimes it takes 10 minutes to get in there, 15 minutes. So we're not going to we're not gonna dilly-dally. Let's just get there and we can kill maybe half an hour in there. We killed so much time in our seats, but yeah. what what can you do? There was there wasn't really a better option. We ate. So we could have sat down somewhere to eat, but we didn't know what we were getting into. Yeah, it was written in the stars. Uh, a million miles away. Well, <laughs> WWE. I'll give them a lot of credit, or I don't know if I should be giving them credit or the stadiums credit, but. These are world-class stadiums. They understand this is a big-time event coming. They know that they're getting 70,000 people, whatever they end up with, the number, true number ended up being. And they were prepared because we walked right in, and I'm pretty sure those people who were waiting for six, seven hours probably felt a bit foolish. Yeah, I mean, because they... Uh... Could have made it to a good Dragon Gate show or even to a wrestle reunion if they wanted to. Yeah, lots of people uh, went to wrestle reunion. I we didn't get to go. Obviously, we went to Dragon Gate, but with my experience at wrestle reunion in Los Angeles this year, they're a world class. Uh, they're world class. Everything okay? Oh yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. They're world class promoters, and it was. Probably a very great event. I know they did a whole uh, luncheon for Bruno San Martino. That must have been a very cool thing for those individuals who got to attend. To attend, certainly. And then uh, WrestleMania is a show. Well, I didn't hate the show, but I really was not a fan of it. It, it was what it was. What that, I mean. That's exactly the way to put it. It was what it was. I didn't go in with extremely high expectations. I expected a lot from Undertaker and Triple H, and that's what we got. Um, There was a lot of stuff on the show that looked like it was going to be decent if given time, and it was given enough time to be decent. Um, I think it really nailed it in the head with me when you were saying that 26 was better, and I was saying, I don't know, and then you said, just compare the matches. So... When I looked at it, 
Triple H and Undertaker. First, I want to make a point. This was a very, very good match. I know some disliked the match. Some thought it was only okay. I thought it was a very good match. It was definitely a higher caliber match. But I didn't think it was as strong as Undertaker and Shawn Michaels from last year. Um, I thought John Cena and and Batista from last year was probably better than anything else on the WrestleMania 27 card. And then if you have a uh, third-place match, there are a few matches. There's Money in the Bank. There is uh, CM Punk versus Rey Mysterio, which unfortunately got a bit shortchanged. There's Edge and Chris Jericho, which I wasn't a huge fan of, but was still solid. There was, I, I thought there was more on WrestleMania 26. But that doesn't mean WrestleMania 27 was a bad show. It's just there's not that much stuff I personally would go back to watch it would probably be just me going back to watch Undertaker versus Triple H. Yeah, I mean, considering that it was like you didn't have any title change or anything like that, you didn't really have a big conclusion to anything. You know, like as an example, with Sean and uh, Taker, I mean, you, that's Sean's last match you'll ever see. And it's like, uh, it's not like you didn't got to see Alberto Del Rio win his first world title in the opening match. <laughs> Well, that, it's, fun, it's funny that that uh, turned out the way it is with a week and change hindsight. We understand now that that was Edge's last match. Yeah, I mean, which uh, I believe now, I mean, gets a bit more reason to go back and watch it. But, I mean, I yeah, fair that- enough. That might have elevated that match to a number two match that I would be interested in going back and seeing. Yeah, I mean, uh, Orton and Punk, I felt, was a good match. I mean, I felt that it did well. Punk and, or excuse me, uh, Cody and Ray, I felt, uh, could have been better than what it was, but it was still solid enough. And then the remaining stuff on the show was just there, really. I mean, Cole Lawler, I felt, was not Brett Vince in terms of bad execution, but it just was not very good. Uh, the core got destroyed. Um, the Snooki match was fine. I didn't really like Ms. Cena, and I really hated that Danielson and Sheamus was not able to be on the pay-per-view. No. Pacing issues aside, it's, I actually want to talk a bit about the stage. I thought the stage was pretty cool, even though it looked like an arachnid. <laughs> Agreed. I mean, uh, especially, I mean, considering WrestleMania is the only place really where you can see cool WWE stages anymore, considering that they mostly keep the same stage for every other pay-per-view nowadays. Yeah, it's to me, that stage, that stage proved a few things. One thing is with WrestleMania, you're always getting a very elaborate production. No matter what you say about every other pay-per-view, Monday Night Raw, TNA pay-per-view, even though I like the Bound for Glory stage that they used, and all that stuff. It's, WWE is masterful with their production when they want to be. And WrestleMania, they go all out. Now, this year, I thought it was extremely cool that they just went with this giant video screen. And it wasn't like a lame giant video screen like Raw. They've had the same video screen since 1997. And it's stale. And I wouldn't mind if they changed that. But that's nitpicking. But for WrestleMania this year, just the design of the stage how everything was set up, how all the graphics, it was different. You didn't just get the regular Titantron in the back. It was a really well-done set, and I thought 
that really added to some of the spectacular entrances like Triple H and The Undertaker. Agreed completely. I mean, I was very happy with the uh, music choice as well for uh, Triple H. I mean, uh, in terms of the Metallica song used, I mean, both those entries were phenomenal. Yeah, and on top of all this, there's also the fact that you're in there with 70,000 other people. Yeah. There's no discounting that, and I'm looking forward to something similar to that coming up in a few weeks with uh, UFC 129 with 55,000 people, except that crowd's going to be hotter. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, let's go. So, Canadi- Canadians for GSP versus Atlanta for any wrestler, it's, it's just not even going to be close. <laughs> which also brings us to our next point over... The following night on Monday Night Raw, which I was not able to attend at that point, I was on my flight back uh, to Florida, but you and Ben were actually able to attend Monday Night Raw, where they made a very big announcement concerning the main event of next year's WrestleMania, which will be held in Miami, Florida. Yes, um, WrestleMania is coming to my current residence, which is pretty nice, especially because the stadium is about 10 minutes from my condo. Um, that Monday, uh, I slept in most of the day. Ben was getting sick, but we went to Raw. First, we stopped at CNN Center, um, which was cool for me to see. I know JP got to see it earlier in the weekend. I had not seen it, so that was just something cool for me to see that one time. And I picked up, I believe I picked up Chick-fil-A, and we were just waiting for the doors to open. Um, we walked in. Ben went to the uh, restroom Well. I was just, I think I was getting a drink or something. And when he came out, he said, there's a group of people putting on Sin Cara shirts in the, in the bathroom. And I said, really? Let's, let's go look at the merchandise stand. I didn't see them selling it at the uh, merchandise stand. We were nearby. So I wonder if WWE decided to plant a bunch of uh, Sin Cara shirts. With that said, I don't think it mattered because he got a pretty big pop when he eventually did come out. But Onto the uh, meat and potatoes of Raw was the final interview. I wasn't nuts about the fact that Cena came out. It's it's funny because he backhandedly complimented The Miz, but at the same time, he buried the main event of WrestleMania and he buried the WWE title. My personal opinion, everyone's probably differs, but I'm that's what I gathered from it. But once The Raw came out, the people just went nuts for The Rock. The people hated Cena. Yeah, no surprise there. No. And what, actually what was interesting to me was when Rock sort of endorsed Cena and said, let's do it at you know, WrestleMania 28. I respect you. I don't like you, all that stuff. Crowd was booing Rock when he was putting over Cena. It's... I'm- I want to say they were largely booing the fact that it was like, oh, this match is going to be WrestleMania 28, when a lot of those people likely wanted the match right then and there. Yeah, fair enough. That is a possibility, too. But when they say, when before that even came out, when Rock said, I respect you, John Cena, crowd wasn't thrilled. <laughs> even when he said, I respect you, but I don't like you. The crowd sort of popped for I don't like you, but the crowd didn't like I respect you. But yes, the crowd was definitely not happy about WrestleMania 28 being in Miami, and that's when the match is going to be one year from now. I'm not sure if they were more upset about the match being a year from now or being not in Atlanta, but it made sense, especially after doing 
that type of finish in the WrestleMania 27 main event, it only made sense if it's building to a main event of a WrestleMania that's going to make this company a ton of money. This, if they can keep up momentum, and not even saying, you know, they don't have to talk about it every week, but if by the time April 1st of 2012 comes along, they have the momentum they have had in the last few weeks, this is going to be one of their bigger buy rates in a long time. It's oh, going to be yeah. a big business WrestleMania. And this might be the first legitimate WrestleMania sellout of a stadium since WrestleMania 18. Yeah, I mean, well, I was going to say, I mean, it's the biggest match that they have booked since uh, Hogan versus Rock. Yeah, also doubt. WrestleMania 18. Yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, and it's ironic because, I mean, this is like the same style of match that that match was in terms of icon versus icon. Obviously, you can make the argument about Hogan and Rock being both bigger icons than Cena, but... I, I mean, would make that argument. Yeah, <laughs> but at the same time, it's the same type of match, and considering the environment that it'll be in, it's uh, the Rock's first match, or it will be his first match back in eight years, which you could also uh, coincide with the fact that with Hogan, it was his first match back in the WWE in seven years, I want to say. No, it was more, because it was 93 to 2002. It was nine years. Oh, nine years. Wow. Excuse but me. he had a match on the Raw before WrestleMania, which was a bit mind-boggling at the time. Oh, yeah. Well, it's sort of like uh, having The Rock do the people's elbow on the Raw before Mania, I suppose. But <laughs> with that said, I mean, it's it falls under the same category as that match, and it should be a way for them to make, as uh, Jacob had mentioned, quite a bit of money, as well as uh, they, uh, they set up the potential rematch between Triple H and Undertaker for next year's WrestleMania. And they even... Uh, even had a brief tease talking about with Austin one more match, which very well could end up meaning nothing. But, like, if they were to bring Austin back for another match, I mean, for his first match back was 2003. I mean, there's a lot of possibilities going into next year's Mania, to say the least. Well, currently, I'm going to say you've got two matches that are one's absolutely announced already and one's decently bankable in Undertaker and Triple H. You could have a regular undercard underneath that. That's a big show. That's a very, very top-heavy loaded show. Um, That's probably one of the most intriguing shows, especially even with Triple H and Undertaker. They built the match that Triple H had it won. Undertaker just caught him at the end. Yeah. So Undertaker is going to have to fight tooth and nail to go 20 and 0, which could potentially be the end of the Undertaker. So couple that with the Super Dream match. If you have Austin and whoever wrestling on that show too, that's huge. Yeah, without a doubt. Without Austin, it's huge. With Austin, that's that's big big business. Yeah, I mean, and even. Uh... Uh, one match that I'm curious about, uh, which could be a big help for the market, even, uh, although The Rock itself is going to cause tickets to sell out. I mean, uh, something that could even help with Mexico, permitting that uh, Mexico still signed at the time. They very well could potentially do the likes of Mexico versus Rey Mysterio. Well, we definitely have a high Hispanic population in Miami. 
not entirely for Mexican, but a lot of Latin America and a lot of Cuban and Puerto Rican, and they all they all still back the Hispanic stars, as uh, I saw very very um, much in FCW in Miami uh, about two weeks ago. I mean, like uh, there's just a lot of very big possibilities going into uh, next year's Mania, which sort of uh, kind of uh, makes me look at Atlanta and a little bit of a, I feel like they treated it as a sort of filler, but it is what it is, I guess, more than anything. It it, it was, I I hate to say the Monday Night Raw of WrestleMania because there were some good things on the show, Undertaker and Triple H, I can't stress enough. It was, it was above your, it was, it had an epicness feeling, it was just above your average pay-per-view high-level match, which it's important to have that type of feeling, and not everyone can do that. And a lot of it has to do with the mystique surrounding it. So you had that stuff, but it was almost... This is the show that is going to lay the seeds for the much bigger show. Almost a WrestleMania four. Because except WrestleMania four had the big moment with Savage, but WrestleMania four, the whole goal of WrestleMania four was building to WrestleMania five for Savage to face Hogan. Yeah. I mean, and uh, which is yeah, I mean, pretty much the best comparison you can possibly make. I mean, uh, in regards to twenty-seven and twenty-eight respectively. It's these are going to be two shows that if you want the whole story, you pair it together having attended this one and surely attending next year, I'm not going to need to go back and watch the whole story, but for most, this is going to be a companion piece to WrestleMania 28. Yeah. And with that said, I mean, uh, uh, well, that largely concludes our uh, recap of the, all the events that took place in Atlanta. I mean, well, actually, uh, JB had a very nutty ride home, as far as I recall. Oh, off. absolutely. Uh, leaving Raw, it was torrential downpour in Atlanta, and uh, Ben and myself had to go quite slow on the highway to get back just because traffic was down to, uh, I want to say, 30, 30 miles an hour on the highway just because it was just devastatingly powerful rain. Um, I got back to the hotel, I said goodbye to Ben, and what ended up happening was the power was out in the hotel. So I took the stairs up, but I had to go through two corridors to get to my room. What ended up happening was because of the power outage, the key lock to get in from, you had to walk outside between two inner portion, inner hallways of rooms. So I had to walk outside. There was no staircase down there. There was an elevator there, which didn't work. And the two, uh, the two keys, the two key slots weren't working because the power was out. So I had to wait a couple minutes. Thankfully, uh, some individuals who were inside my hall were able to uh, hear me knocking and let me in. Otherwise, I might have been locked up there for a little while. Yeah. I mean, because I fell asleep within a couple... Uh, probably within about an hour, an hour and a half, and the power had still not come on. So I'd hate to think of being stuck on there at about 1 a.m. for a couple hours. Wouldn't have been fun, especially when I was flying out the next morning. Yeah, without a doubt. 
but I had fun. I, I don't think I've, I've been to now seven WrestleManias, but the, the first couple of them weren't exactly at the time where they were doing the big WrestleMania weekends. Um, well, I guess six was the only one that was. And Wrestle, by WrestleMania 18, it was already loaded with access. And then WrestleMania 20, I went to uh, the Hall of Fame and all that stuff. It's as, as time has gone on, these weekends have become must-attend. Even if one show doesn't deliver, you're going to get so much other stuff that will. It's, there's very few WrestleMania weekends that not one show delivers. I don't think there's been one since it's become this mega phenomenon, this central place for wrestling fans to meet, enjoy all kinds of different wrestling, enjoy all kinds of different, whether it's meeting old guys, whether it's going to access, whether it's attending all these indie shows, whether it's just going to Mania and Raw. When do you get Mania? When do you get two WWE tapings in any city you know, back to back. Yeah, I mean, it's a very uh, yeah. I mean, it's a once in a once a year type thing. I mean that. Uh, I mean, I've had the opportunity to attend now for. Uh, I mean, since 2007, every year since 2009, and I really have not had one bad experience out of all those. Well, when you've got companies like Ring of Honor, like Dragon Gate, even WWE. You know, sometimes WrestleMania is a big hit. Sometimes it's just okay. Do they ever really deliver to the point where you're like, I can't believe I just watched that for WrestleMania? I, I don't think that's happened in a... I, and it's been a long time since that's happened. Yeah. I mean, since uh, even with like a Mania like uh, 25, I mean, you know, at least you had uh, Taker and Michaels there to save the show. Yeah, I, I just, I, I don't remember wrestling, maybe 16. But even 16 had a few bright spots. It's been a very long, maybe 15, 15. Has yeah, like 15 probably would be the one to look at. Yeah, but it's just, it's, it's, it's just a well-put-together show, even if you don't love what they put on during the show. It's just, it's a cool atmosphere, not to mention ROH goes out of their way to make special shows. Dragon Gate went out of their way. Access, a lot of people said Access was better than it has been this year. The Hall of Fame apparently slightly improved this year over the last few years, even if it's never going to touch the older glory of the previous Hall of Fames in terms of leeway. And it's, it's just a fun weekend, and it's just something I would highly suggest if you're a wrestling fan. Yeah, I mean, I can speak for many people that I know personally that attended, such as, uh, I mean, you know, Lord Crystal, uh, Chris Lariato, who at one point uh, sported a very kick-ass uh, Von Erichs shirt, by the way. There's your plug, Chris. <laughs> uh, I mean, it was just a uh, very fun weekend all around in Atlanta, and I'm looking forward to it again next year in Miami. And... I would say that wraps things up for our WrestleMania recap. I mean, uh, thank you very much, Jacob, for being on the show. No, it was my pleasure. It was, uh, it was a long haul, but I'm glad we stuck through it. Oh, certainly. For free admission for real, I am J.P. Nichols. Check out our next show, which will be our King of Trios preview, and then we will have other upcoming shows looking at things such as Evolve 7 as well as the ECWA Super 8 at the end of the month. With that said, I will see you all very soon.